All right, as our children make their way to Children's Church, I would ask that you remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Believe it or not, last Sunday was our last Sunday in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to be taking uh, this month and focusing on kind of the beginning of our First Things First ministry, as well as obviously next Sunday is Palm Sunday, and the Sunday after that is Easter Sunday. Um, and so we're going to take some time and focus on that as well. But for today, we are going to be in the book of Acts. And we're going to be in chapter 8, starting in verse 26 and reading through to verse 40. And we're going to be reading a, a story from the early church. And as we stand for the, in reverence of God's word, please follow with me. It says, But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. So he got up and he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all, he was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. It said, He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from this scripture preached Jesus to him. And they went along the road and they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus. And he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all of the cities until he came to Caesarea. Please be seated. Today marks the first day in, in our evangelism push for 2022. If you'll remember, last year we joined in with several churches throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky to do a thing called Gospel to Every Home. And what we did is we committed to go to all of the surrounding area of our church and, and, and at least leave them something that they could use to hear the gospel, to read, to understand the gospel, to hear the gospel, to connect with Tunnel Hill Baptist Church so that we might see our community know Christ. And we did that starting in, I believe it was April or May of last year, and that took us all the way into the month of October. And this church delivered almost 4,000 bags with information about the gospel and Tunnel Hill Baptist Church into our surrounding community. It was no small feat and something that, that we got to reap the benefits of. 
And we can see that, and all those who, who took part of it, we can see how God has not only stirred up the heart of our church, but also stirred up hearts within our community to have a walk with the Lord, to, re, to start going back to church, or even to hear the good news of the gospel for the very first time. It was an exciting year, one that we, have, that we can see the fruit of even today. And it was really quite entertaining because as we were wrapping up last fall and we were talking about it, I remember sending an email, sending a message out to our kind of evangelism crew, the ones that were, were spearheading it and organizing it and doing all the stuff. And I said, so we're, we're done with this effort. Do you guys want to kind of disband this group and, and, and take a break? Or do you guys want us to keep meeting and keep thinking and planning on how we can share Christ with our community? And I loved what I heard because I got a response almost immediately back that said, I won't tell you who said it, but they know. They said, well, we're not done. Why would we stop meeting? Why would we stop planning? Why would we stop, stop doing things? We can look out into our neighborhood and in our community and into all the homes around us, and there are still lost people. So why would we stop what we're doing in order to share Christ just because we got this one thing done? And so while we took a small break to pray and to recuperate and to, to remember what, you know, what we're doing, we came back and said, we want to do something similar this year, but even with more intention. With more of a plan, with not so much just the delivering of bags onto doors, but to really go and have a conversation with our community. And so we decided to call that thing First Things First. This name comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to read that to you very quickly. Picking up in verse 3, it says, For I delivered to you of first importance that which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul is reminding the church in Corinth that a first importance in the church is the gospel. That we know it, that we believe it, and that we proclaim it to people who desperately need to hear it. Therefore... If this is of first importance in the church, then it should be what we do first. I heard a person ask the question one time. They said, what is the first bill you pay when it's time to pay bills? And almost across the board, everybody said the mortgage or your rent, depending on, on where you're at. Usually the first thing you pay, and I'm not talking about, and I know tithes should be first. So we're not going to get into that right now. Um, but most people, when they get sit down to their bills, I don't consider tie the bill, so that's, that's going to be my, what I'm going to say to that. People, first things first, they want to make sure that they have a roof over their head, right? And they say, that's the most important bill that I pay, therefore I'm going to pay that first. That's what, what do we call that? We call that priorities. Well, if the church exists to fulfill the Great Commission, then that should not be something that we start doing five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten steps down the road. If we exist to fulfill the Great Commission, and I think Scripture tells us that, and I think Paul is communicating that in this passage, if the gospel is the most important thing for the church, then by golly, it's what we should do first. Therefore, we as a church have... have uh, planned and we voted and we have decided that we are going to set aside the first Sunday of every month from now until October when it starts getting too cold to be out and about to going out 
and sharing the gospel with the community around us. Now I know that as soon as I say that, we are going, this is what we're going to do. We are going to go out. We're going to go into a couple of our neighborhoods. We're going to pull into the neighborhood. We're going to park our cars. We're going to get out of the car. We're going to take some of those same bags that we had for gospel to every home that have information about our church and about the gospel and, and a pen and all those good things. And we're going to walk up to people's houses and we're going to go. And we're going to have a conversation with them. Some of you in this room have already said in your mind and in your heart, no, I ain't. There's no way I'm doing that. And I would like to ask you today to just for a moment, hear me out. Because I truly believe that the passage that we just read from the book of Acts can give us a lot of insight about what we are doing and do so in a way that may help you to not only understand why we would do something as crazy as but also might show you that you can do it too. So let's get into our passage just a little bit today. And as we pick up in verse 26, I want you to notice exactly how this passage starts. It says, but an angel of the Lord spoke. When we talk about evangelism, when we talk about sharing the gospel, when we talk about sharing our faith with, a lost, with lost people around us, we have to remember that first and foremost, this is a work of God. This is, and, and, and believe it or not, this should be a comforting word to you because what this means is if sharing Christ with people begins with God and it is a work of God and God is going to do the, the, the seed planting and the growth and the, the fruit bearing and the harvesting, if this is a work of God, then you are not responsible for the outcome. God is going to do something in you and through you when you begin to share your faith. This is what we mean by even the title of the message as you look in your bulletin that we are, as we are talking about divine appointments. Last year when we did Gospel to Every Home, we used this term to talk about what do you do when you are walking on the road and you're delivering these bags and you go up to a house and the people are out in the yard or their garage door is open or you meet them on the street because they're walking your dog. We call those when God gives you a divine appointment, this is what you do. We recognize that when we got to talk to an actual person, that we are there to share Christ with them because God himself had timed and planned that conversation. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. If we leave this place today, and Lord willing, you will join us, and you go up and you knock on that first door, think about all the things that have to come into play for you to have a real conversation. One, you have to actually show up. That the Holy Spirit has to put a burden on your heart that the gospel does need to go out and you need to be a part of that. And so you show up. Not only you show up, but then someone's got to tell you which neighborhood to go to. And God is going to guide and direct whether you go to this neighborhood over here or this neighborhood over there, whether it's this block or this block, whether you go to the door on the left or the door on the right. And then you're going to walk up and, and, and whether you're the one that's knocking or not, and, and all that stuff has to happen. That's what, that's what you're a part of. That's God moves you around and guides you to that door. But then just think about on the flip side. 
Someone lives in that home, right? And they chose to buy that house and to live there. And they just happened to be home on a Sunday afternoon and not out running around or doing errands. They didn't go to their friend's house to watch WrestleMania. It's tonight, I'm just saying. And they're at their house, and then the door knocks, and not only do they hear the door knock over, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin or whomever's on the TV, but then they choose to get up and see who it is. And then they look through and they see your face. And now they have a choice to make, don't they? And it's a choice that all of us have made at some point in our life. Do I answer the door or do I just let them pass on? And what if on this day they look at your face and they say, that doesn't look like an axe murderer. I wonder what they want. I've got some free time. I'm going to open the door. And so they do. And you may start and you may say, hi, and I'll do it for myself. You'll start and you'll say, hi, my name is Josh Luton and I'm with Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. Now they have another choice to make. Because now they know who I am and where I'm coming from. So now they have a choice of whether they shut down that conversation immediately or they have a choice of whether they have to hear what I got to say. And maybe, just maybe, God's been working on their heart. And maybe they've thought to themselves, you know, I used to go to church, but now I don't because I've moved and my life's changed. And I've been divorced and I've remarried and all sorts of things. Or maybe they say, you know, I've never gone to church and I've always wondered what these people are all about and I see the signs for that church and I've always wondered who goes there. I'm going to hear what they have to say. I want you to understand something. God has been in all of that. From the moment you showed up this morning and God begins to put a burden on your heart for the lost people to the moment we show up on that door and that person decides in that moment that they're going to actually hear what you have to say. God has been in the midst of all that. And God is working in you. And God is working in them. And God is working in all of these situations to see to it that there are people who hear the good news of the gospel. And we don't know what the fruit of that might be. But we do know that God has been in the midst of all of it. God says through his angel, get up and go. And then he goes on to say, go up and join. In both cases, faith, uh, P- Philip is faithful to follow. That's harder to say than you think. Philip is faithful to follow the Lord's guidance. He did not know what he was supposed to see. He did not know who he was going to meet. He did not know what he was going to say. But he heard God call and he answered. And guys, I want to encourage you today. God is most certainly calling you to fulfill the Great Commission. And you don't need a special whisper from God. You don't need a still small voice. You don't need a fiery bush. And I already stand before you as a talking donkey. What you need is to be obedient to the scriptures. And so as we look at this passage and we look at what the Bible says, the Bible says go and make disciples, and this is an opportunity to do that. Will you get up and go? And will you go up and speak? See, God knew exactly why he wanted Philip on the road at that time. Because God was already preparing this Ethiopian man for the good news of the gospel. We may have no idea who stands on the other side of the doors as they open. 
but we can find rest and we can find confidence in the knowledge that God does know who that person is and he has not placed them there by accident. God's words to the Israelite uh, back in the Exodus should be as true for us today as it was for them when they set out. In Deuteronomy 31.8, we read these words, The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you, that he will be with you and that he will not, and that he will not fail you, nor will he forsake you. So do not fear or be dismayed. I understand that terms like evangelism and knocking on a door are scary. I get it. I get nervous every time. We did, we did this gospel to every home thing for months and months and months and months. And then at the end of October, we took a break and we weren't kind of doing that stuff because the weather had, had, had cooled off. And then in November, I got an opportunity to go out and do it again. And as I went out to do it again at that time, and I had people from this church that, that went with me, and, and we went out to knock on doors, and this time we were going to knock on doors, not just deliver the bags. And I remember going up to the first door and thinking, do I remember how to do this? And I got really nervous as I walked up to that first door and went, And I'm going in my head like, what, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? What, 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 what do I lead with? What do I start with? And then it just pff, happened. And I want to encourage you today, it's okay if you're scared. It's okay if that makes you nervous. It's okay if you don't have a lot of confidence doing it. But I challenge you in this regard. Remember that God is with you. He is going before you. And that he will not fail you. So even in your fears, be courageous. Not only is Philip obedient to the, the moving of the Spirit, and not only does Philip remind himself that God is doing a work through this whole interaction, but then as he goes up to this Ethiopian eunuch, he, he looks for a bridge. He looks for something in the conversation, something that he can use to then begin to tell this man about Jesus. Philip goes up to the chariot, and as he goes up to the chariot, he hears this Ethiopian reading from the book of Isaiah. Now, it's probably likely that he was reading from a Greek translation of the text. A, we, we have a fancy word for that. It's called the Septuagint. Back around Jesus' time, they translated the Old Testament from its Hebrew and Aramaic into, or into Greek so that they could take it with them and, and that they could have it in all the various synagogues. And seeing as how this Ethiopian man was the treasurer for an entire nation, probably extremely wealthy, he was able to get his hands on one of these scrolls and he had in his possession at least part of the book of Isaiah. Now, it might be in Philip's nature and ours today to say, what luck, what coincidence. Oh man, I can't believe it. But we have to remember that this is all part of God's plan. That God was creating this opportunity. And Philip just needed to be faithful. It's actually no surprise that the Ethiopian eunuch would be reading from the prophet Isaiah because it's in the prophet Isaiah that, that the Ethiopian already finds some good news. In, in uh, Isaiah 56, we read these words. He says, For thus says the Lord God to the eunuchs who keep the Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial. And, name, and a name that is better than, the sons of and than our sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name which will not be cut off. 
Also, the foreigner who joins themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servant, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbaths and holds fast to my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them, a joyful, make them joyful in the house of prayer. These burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations." The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares, yet others I will gather to them, to those already gathered. I have no doubt that the Ethiopian took this book, bought this book, probably specifically because he knew this was there and undoubtedly it was his favorite part. All of us have passages of scripture that really ring true in our hearts. And not only do we enjoy them, but we get excited when we know we're going to read them. If you don't believe me, has there ever been a point in time in your life where someone said, all right, all of us, let's turn in, in our Bibles to the whatever, to Romans 12, and someone in the group's gone, all right. Maybe that's working with young people throughout all the years, but I love it when I do that and someone goes, all right. Let's go to James chapter one. Yes, let's get it. And so this Ethiopian man has this because he knows that this passage, that this book contains good news. But God, in his love and grace for this man, made sure that before he ever got to Isaiah 56, he had to read Isaiah 53, which is what we see in our passage today. Again, as we go out there into our neighborhoods and into our community, we have no idea what God is going to use to help us tell them about Jesus. We go up to the place and we like cars. And they just happen to have a really cool car, maybe even under a cover, and you get to ask them about it. Maybe they like a, maybe they like a sports team that you like, and as they open up the door, you can see that they've got their Cincinnati Bengals shirt on. And you get to say, hey, who day? Maybe you open up the door, and as I mentioned, you know, wrestling's on tonight, and you open up the door, and they got a big macho man shirt on, and you go, oh, yeah. God uses all kinds of things as bridges to the gospel. Cars, shirts, acquaintances, hobbies, shared life events. Maybe they open up the door, and they've got a University of Kentucky shirt on, or a University of Louisville shirt. Dear Lord, God in heaven, please pray that they don't have a Kansas shirt on. And you can say, oh, are you a Kentucky fan? And they say, yeah, I actually went to school there. And maybe you say, me too. Or maybe they've got an ECT shirt on and you say, hey, I actually teach there. Whatever God can use as a bridge to the gospel is, is something that we should have. And Philip had that, and he, he heard this man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he recognized it as the prophet Isaiah. And so he calls out to him and goes, do you understand what you're reading? The same of us today saying, hey, go cats, go cards, go tigers. It's not going to happen, but it'd be cool. Let's go blues. Let's go Avs. And that begins that conversation. And as we begin to have that conversation, we can begin to turn things through to the gospel. All we can do is be alert 
and be faithful to walk through those doors as God provides them. I love what Paul said in this regard to the church in Colossae. In Colossians 4, verse 3, he says this, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we, we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Your new best friend might be standing on the other side of a hollow door somewhere out in this net community. Work the same job, have the same hobbies, cheer for the same teams. But there's one difference between you and them. You have a relationship with the Lord and they don't. And God is putting things together so that not only you might share Christ with them, but that you might begin to walk with them on their journey to know Christ and to know him fully. Last thing that we see in this passage that I think is so key and so important to even what we are going to do today is that we share the good news and we call for a response. I've heard it said in the past that you have not shared the gospel until you have asked the person to respond to the gospel. And let me tell you, I believe that's true. We can go up and we can have all kinds of conversations about who Jesus is and whether he was a historical figure. We can talk them through the Roman road or the three circles or the, the, the best news or whatever strategy we feel comfortable with. But if we don't at the end of that say, are you ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Have you? Will you? Can you? What's stopping you from making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Then ultimately, we might have given them a nice little lesson in Bible knowledge, but we have not shared Christ with them. Look again at verses 35 through 37. He says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scripture that he had just read, he preached Jesus to him. And he went along the road and he came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. After Philip had crossed that bridge of the gospel using the book of Isaiah to point this man to Christ, he started with that very passage and then began to tell this Ethiopian man all about Jesus. By the time Philip was done, the man was ready to be baptized. We can assume with great confidence that at some point in this gospel message that Philip had said, if you believe in your heart, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. If you're looking at your Bible, you may notice either a bracket around verse 37 or you may be looking at your Bible very confused because it doesn't have a verse 37. If you look closer, you might find a footnote at the bottom and I want you to not let that trouble you. What this just means for us today is that they have found some earlier manuscripts that did not have this verse in it. And so, therefore, a lot of people think that if we went way far back into the manuscripts, if we had more of them, we would not find this verse. Rest assured that Philip told the man about Jesus and that the man responded to the good news with a desire to be baptized, which is a clear sign of his desire to become a disciple of Jesus. 
What I truly think happened in this passage is probably at some point in all of this, Philip made the statement that he said, and then before Jesus ascended and went to heaven, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, which is what the Ethiopian exactly wants to hear, to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so he hears this is the good news and that this is what he's calling us to do, to be disciples and and that all nations are going to be discipled. And then he sees, what does it mean to be a disciple? Well, part of being a disciple is being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the the eunuch said, I'm in. I'm ready. I want to do it. What's step one? Baptism. Water. And remember, this is the desert road. You want to talk about God and his perfect timing and how he is doing amazing things. They were on a road called the desert road. And as soon as this man made a decision to follow Jesus, water was present. Now, I don't necessarily believe that suddenly a spring bubbled up out of nowhere. Now, if that's what happened, that would have been super cool. But I think as they went on the desert road, they were coming to one of the very last spots where there was enough water for a guy like the Ethiopian to be totally immersed in it. And when he saw it, he didn't have any idea. There's no sign that says next rest area 55 miles down the road. He said, water now. Amen. And he said, look, water, and that's what happened. And if anything, what we see from verse 37 is that this probably represents a very early tradition in the church where someone who was coming to be baptized was a candidate for baptized. This is what they would say to each other before the person was immersed in water. Listen, I want you to hear this today. It is great for us to go out and invite people to church. That's great. And I think it's super important that we invite people to church. And I know some of you are here today because someone invited you to church, and that's great. We want that. It is great to go out and invite people to our Easter egg hunt, which is going to be part of what we do today. We're going to give out flyers along with with that, especially if we see uh, little bikes and playground and a trampoline in in the yard. We're going to go and we're going to invite those people to the Easter egg hunt. It's great to invite them to vacation Bible school and homecoming, all the other things that we're going to have going up in our in our calendar in the next few months. It is great to go out and to tell people about Jesus and what we believe as a church. To help them understand what's the difference between Tunnel Hill Baptist Church and maybe the Mormon church on the corner and the Jehovah's Witness Church, wherever that might be, and the, 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 the Muslim mosque down the road. It's great that, that we go out and we do all these things, but if we do not invite them to respond to the gospel by, my, by making Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, then we have fallen short of the Great Commission. And guys, one of the things that I've learned through the years is there is, first off, there's a lot of people in our community who really don't know who Jesus is. They don't know. They, don't, they have heard the name But often they've only heard the name as an exclamation or a curse word. They don't know who he is. They don't know what he's done. And not only that, some of them have heard, but they've never had anyone just look them in the eye and say, what is preventing you from making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? 
And that's where we come in. We go, we share the good news of Jesus, and we say, are you ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I want to go back there for just a second. We read these words in the first two verses. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you and also you received and which also you stand and by which also you are saved if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you unless you believed in vain. The Ethiopian's baptism was the evidence that he had, been res- that he had received the message of Philip, that he stood on Jesus' promise and that he would have salvation through him alone. The very words that Paul communicates in 1 Corinthians 15 are the very things we see in the life of this Ethiopian man. And brothers and sisters, it is also the very thing that has happened, Lord willing, in your life and is what the world around us desperately needs. Ponder for just a moment. There is someone out there waiting for good news, longing for hope, and desperately desiring to be made new. All they need is one person. One person who will surrender to the call to share Christ, to go to share with them, and to invite them to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their lives. So here's my question for you today. Why can't that be you? Why not you? It doesn't need to be a theologian. It doesn't even need to be a high school graduate. It doesn't need to be an adult. It doesn't need to be a man. It doesn't have to be a woman. Why not you? I want to look again, finally, at verse 39 of our passage today. It says this, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. This is the ultimate result of sharing the good news of Jesus. They are rejoicing. We are rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing. Why would we not show up? Why would we not go and, and, and be present for whatever divine appointment God has in store for you and for me? As we close up our time together, I think it would be rather silly to not actually share the gospel. And so I want to do that today, but I want to do it in kind of a way that you might see it done when we go out tonight. So if you imagine for a moment, we walk up to a door and we knock on that door. First thing we're going to do is we're going to take a few steps back. Because I can tell you right now, if that person's all up on the door, I ain't opening it. I'm a tough guy, but I don't know, I ain't going to get hit upside the head. So you take a few steps back. And we're not going to have 20 people on the front step because I also, again, I wouldn't open the door. 
So a couple of people are going to be up there, and they're going to take a few steps back. And if God is in it, which he is either way, that door is going to open, and we're going to say, hey, my name is Josh Luton, and I'm with Tunnel Hill Baptist Church. And what we're doing today is we're going through our, our neighborhood, and we're just praying for our community. And I just wanted to ask you today if there's anything that we can pray with you about. And who knows what they will say. I could tell you stories so long that the Methodists will already be home napping. But as we go and they tell us what we can pray for, and maybe they'll be generic and maybe they'll be specific. And when it's all said and done, we'll say, we would love to pray with you. But before we do that, can I share with you just a little bit about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? And they might say yes. They might say no. And if they say no, we say, okay, well, here, I'd like to give you this bag. And it has all of that information in it, as well as, as some information about our church. Will you take the bag? And Lord willing, they will. Almost everybody does. I had a man look me square in the eyes and say, I am not interested. I know what I believe, and I don't believe what you, you believe. And so you don't need to tell me anything. I said, well, can, will you take the bag? He goes, yeah, absolutely. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and if they say no, we say, well, can we give you this bag? It's got information about our church and, and information about what it means to make Jesus Christ your Savior. You know, would you take that? And they'll say, yeah, sure. And if they've allowed us to pray, they said we could pray with them, then hallelujah. They'll say, well, let's pray together. And we pray, and we say, thank you for your time, and we go. But if they say yes, and I want you to hear today what, what we might say to them. We're going to say, okay. We believe, first off, let me, we believe that there's a God in heaven. And that he loves you, and that he knows you and that he made you on purpose with a purpose. In fact, the Bible says, and you can get this right 100% or you cannot, but I'm gonna say the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first thing the Bible says. And it said that when he made everything, he made it good, and that included you and that included me. But we have a problem, and that problem is sin. And if you don't know what sin is, sin is just when we do what we wanna do, how we wanna do it, when we wanna do it, regardless of what God wants for us. And so when we go off and we do our own thing, regardless of what God wants in our lives, that's called sin. And the Bible says that everybody sins, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible also says that sin creates a big problem for us because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And you, I'm sure, can see how the world really isn't how it's supposed to be. And that people are kind of, can be mean, and sometimes we do things that aren't good for us, and that we have problems and we see problems in the world, and all of that is from sin. I said, but God loved us so much and God still loves us so much that he sent his one and only son. And that man was Jesus Christ. That he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live because of our sin. And he died on the cross for our sins, paying for them. And that he rose from the grave three days later to defeat sin. And the Bible says that if you believe, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. And that God, that, Jesus, that God will wipe your sin clean and he will make you brand new and he will, he will redeem you, he will, he will buy you back so that you can have a relationship with him, so that you can follow him and that one day you can be with him forever. 
And almost through this whole thing, I'm going to be like, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And then I'm going to ask, I'm going to say, hey, is this the first time you've ever heard this? That's usually what I ask because I'm curious. And they might say yes, they might say no. And then I'll ask them, what's keeping you from making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Because that's a great question. What's keeping you from making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? And they may say, I don't know. And maybe the conversation will go on a little bit further. They may say lots of things. I don't believe this. I'll be like, that's okay. Would you like to talk more? Can we talk more later? Could I invite my pastor to come meet you? Whatever. But they might say nothing. Nothing is keeping me from making Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. And to them, I would say, can we pray with you today? So how about you today? As you've heard the gospel and how I might present it when we're out in, in someone's front yard. If you're here today and you're thinking, there's nothing keeping me from receiving Christ today. Then I would invite you today to pray with me to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, I know that I'm a sinner. That, that even though you made me and that you made me to, to be yours, God, that I've gone my own way and I have to do my own thing. And God, I know that, that my sin has, has created a problem between you and I because the Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death. But God, I've heard the good news about your son, Jesus Christ. That you sent him to do what I couldn't do. And that he died on the cross for my sin and that he rose from the grave three days later. And God, I believe in my heart that all that is true. And Lord, today I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and master of my life so that you might save me from my sin and allow me to know you and to be with you for all time. God, we praise you that you sent your son to save us. And God, we pray that you would help us to walk with you the rest of our lives. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First time, if that's something that, that you've, you've said that back to me, we want to know about that. And so what we're going to do right now, this is a time of invitation. And so we want to invite you, if God's said something to you today through the message, if you really felt something convict you and you want to come up and talk about it, you can do that. If you just need to have a special time of prayer with God and you want to come up to the steps and, and, and pray, you are welcome to do so. Maybe God's moving you in, in a way that, that might be directly related, you know, indirectly related to the message where you're ready to join the church, you need to follow in baptism like the, the Ethiopian did in our passage. Or maybe you came to receive Christ for the first time and you want to talk about what it means to, to follow Jesus in baptism. We want to invite you to come forward. You don't have to come forward. I want you to understand that in order to have prayer and to do all of those things. But I would challenge you today, especially if you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, do not wait to tell somebody. Because you need to have brothers and sisters in Christ that are encouraging you, that are building you up, and you need a church family that comes alongside you and helps you to walk with the Lord. With all that in mind, we're going to sing today.